Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. I hope you guys are having a tremendous and a beautiful and a fabulous Tuesday or whatever day of the week you are listening to this podcast on. So first and foremost, I want to thank you for tuning in to our show. If you are brand new to Coffee with Romina, Cafe con Romina, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcast just from so you are not missing any future episodes. And to you, my loyal listeners, thank you so, so much for trusting me with your precious time again. I promise you it's going to be totally worth it. Our special guest for today is actually Marsha Scarborough. We are going to talk today, you guys, about medicine, dance, and healing. And we are going to talk also about vibration alignment, which is absolutely very important. That's why I'm excited about today's episode. We are going to touch base on therapy results through vibration, how we can heal through intuition, as well as how we can heal through our dreams. And I know this is not a topic that is very popular out there. I mean, in a Google search, you can probably find more information, but these are not really topics that people talk in daily life. That's why I'm excited for today's episode, so we can bring more amazing knowledge to our audience. I always say, and this podcast is strictly founded on helping our audience grow personally and professionally. And here we go, you guys, we're going to touch base on healing through dancing. And I'm super excited about today's episode. (laughs) Okay, you guys, I don't want to spoil more of the episode. So like I said, hit the subscribe button. If you are listening from Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Tell us how amazing we are doing. We would love, love, love to hear from you guys. And without losing any more time, let's actually dive into today's episode. I don't have anything else to say, but uh, enjoy! Hi, Marsha. How are you doing today? Okay. How are you, Romina? I'm good. Well, hello from America to Spain. (laughs) Hello. Back to you in America. And thank you for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. Now, before we do get to the juicy questions and actually digest what we have prepared today for the audience, I want to pass on the mic to you a little bit. Tell us, how did you go about having the career that you have? Give us a quick recap of your career path. I'm 74 years old, so I've had a checkered career, I, I would say. I was a journalism major in college at University of Southern California. I tried fashion journalism briefly. It didn't pay enough. I went into advertising and had a few years as an advertising copywriter. And then I started to produce commercials, which I enjoyed a lot, but they were commercials. And at one point, a a video editor said to me, that is the best vacuum cleaner commercial I have ever seen. And I thought, I don't want that on my tombstone. I wanted to get into theatricals. And so the only way to do that, if you don't have a relative in the business, is through the assistant director's training program, which is an apprenticeship program that gets you into director's guild as an assistant director, which is a real job. It's not getting coffee for the director. It is about logistics and administration. You're the ones who break down the script and re- repackage it in the most efficient shooting schedule. You handle budget and you run the set. So I, 
got into the film business through that program. And I was in it 20 years working on major feature films and primetime television with a lot of big stars and famous directors. And it was a rewarding career. I enjoyed the first eight hours of every day, but the second eight hours of every day were not as much fun. And as I turned 50, the Directors Guild, my union, did a life expectancy study. And at that time, the life expectancy for my job category, which was first assistant director, was 58. So I decided that was my last job. So I left the film industry. I moved to New Mexico. Uh, along the way, I wrote my first book, Medicine Dance, about studying with a Native American medicine man. I lived in Santa Fe for 10 years where I sold some real estate and I did freelance writing for magazines. And uh, then in the housing crash of 2008, I lost everything, everything, because I had this idea that I was going to like buy these houses and rent them out and that would be my retirement nest egg. And they went completely upside down in that 2008 housing crash. I was bankrupt and left with nothing. And uh, at 63 years old, I realized I would not be able to retire in the United States. I couldn't afford it. So I started traveling, looking for a place to retire. In the meantime, I had gotten a TESOL certificate to teach English to speakers of other languages. I was teaching in a summer immersion program at a university in Santa Fe. My students were faculty and staff from affiliated universities in other places. So I was visiting my former students in Mexico, Brazil, Honduras, Chile, uh, other parts of South America, and also I had students from Spain, from Madrid. So in 2016, I went to visit my students in Madrid, and I love Spain. I really fell in love with Spain, and it wasn't as expensive I, as I thought it would be. In fact, the cost of living is quite affordable. And by the time I had been six weeks in Spain, I was leaving. I thought I should move to Spain. I should figure out how to do that. And in the Dallas airport on a seven hour layover, I had the worst food poisoning I've ever had. And on the flight back to Santa Fe, and I thought if ever the universe gave someone a sign, that was it. Don't stay in the US, go to Spain. So it took me about a year to put that together. I moved to Spain in 2017, and it's been fantastic. So for people that have never been to Europe, I'm born and raised in Europe, but I've been in America for, it'll be 12 years soon. Why is it so different and what is it so different? Because you didn't mention, for example, the cost of living. It's very different in Spain than it's in America. So let's give a little bit digested information towards why is it different for the American audience so they can better understand it too. Well, one thing that was a big selling point for me is it's safe. There's virtually no violent crime. I mean, there's a few pickpockets, but you can walk home at three in the morning by yourself and not even worry about it. Uh, there's a social safety net, so people don't need to take your TV to, you know, buy food. You know, that for me was huge. It's a completely different feeling to be safe in the place that you live. Then there's the healthcare. I mean, I have fantastic healthcare for less than it would cost me in the, in the U.S. for, you know, Medicare that would only pay 80%. So, you know, that's another big selling point for me at my age. I can actually retire, although I haven't because now I'm in demand as a travel writer. Well, I love it because I know offline you also mentioned you feel exotic because you're coming from America to Spain, too. So that's like, hello, you're American. Tell us about America. 
Well, and especially in Hollywood, you know, once you're not young anymore, you're done. You're a has-been. So if I would have stayed in L.A., I'd just be a has-been old lady who didn't quite make it in the movie business. But in Spain, the young Spanish people are really interested in American culture, particularly the era I lived through, the 60s through the 80s, and American film. So they, they find me really interesting and exotic. And I have a lot of wonderful young Spanish friends who speak English, most of them, and I'm having a great time. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I wanted to focus a little bit on your books because you did write two books, Honey in the River and Medicine Dance. So first start with Medicine Dance. What is the book for and why did you even get started, start writing this? Because it's a lot that goes into the book. So Medicine Dance is a memoir. And in the days before I left Los Angeles, around the time I was 40, I was having, I guess, the classic midlife crisis where everything in your life is going wrong at the same time. The marriage is falling apart. The job is going downhill. My parents were dying. Confluence of things. And then I had a bad mammogram. And since it's the U.S. health system, it's like, oh, you have to come back for another one, but you can't have an appointment for two weeks. And then you have that. And it's like, well, it's not conclusive. You're going to have to talk to a radiologist, but you can't have appointment appointment after appointment after appointment. And you have to wait. And in that, someone said to me, there's a Native American medicine man in town doing private healings. And I said, sign me up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know anything about that, but it was something I could do in that period when I was waiting to find out if I had breast cancer. So I went to a private healing with him, which I now know was energy work that involved a shamanic extraction, which I didn't know what that was at the time, and some other follow-up ceremonies. The day after the the healing session with him, I had the final ultrasound, and they were like, there's nothing there. Why are you even here? So to me, whatever he did was really interesting. It worked. And I decided I wanted to learn more about what he did. So I started to to study with him. And Medicine Dance is the story of my own healing process in that. And at the same time, a close woman friend did get cancer. And she lived near where he lived in New Mexico. So her healing process is part of the story. I mean, I continue to study with him. He's now semi-retired, but he, he sends out messages via YouTube. <laughs> why is, why is this profound spiritual foundation for me is in this Native American type of healing. Why is this not more advertised, this type of healing? Is it because well, of Big Pharma? No, well, I wouldn't blame Big Pharma for this in particularly. Part of it is because the indigenous people have wanted to keep their traditions sacred. They feel so exploited by people that they don't want to give away any more of their important things to white people. So there are very few Native teachers who will teach white people. Now, my teacher, his name is Beautiful Painted Arrow, Joseph Rael, said in his mind, if we don't teach white people, we're toast. So, you know, I was lucky to stumble onto somebody who was willing to teach me. It's hard to find someone. I see. And so whenever you're talking about healing, we're, and you did mention the, you know, the uh, mammogram example, but what else type of healing are we talking about? Are we talking about spiritual, emotional, physical, mental, like what exactly type of healing we're talking about? Well, in the indigenous traditions, both the Native American and West African and other indigenous traditions, there's no separation mm. between 
physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. In fact, this is the message of the medicine wheel, which is an icon that they use. It's a circle with a cross in it. And this represents balance. And on those, those four points represent different things, but one of them is the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual healing mm -hmm. all in balance. So the idea that physical healing could be separated from emotional healing is a very modern Western civilization idea. Indigenous people don't have that separation. So I kind of want to go also back a little bit into the drumming because my question with it actually for the audience, we did launch an episode with Middle Ponte, you guys, where he talks about different wavelengths, height influences your mental simulation and height influences your spiritual simulation in order for your brain wavelengths to be in the right position. So what I want to talk about drumming is that more into getting into the right wavelength for you or is it more expressing and letting out what's what you've been holding back, what you know, what your spirit has been holding back. Can you explain a little bit more of healing through drumming itself, which is... Uh... What, what indigenous people have always known that has now been confirmed by quantum physics okay. is that we are not really solid. We're not a material thing. We are only vibration. And that's what we know from quantum physics, that we're atoms. We're just little electrons vibrating in a more dense or less dense way. Yeah. So even the language of my teacher, Tiwa, a, a Native American language, has no nouns. It only has verbs. Because you're not a thing, Romina. You are energy in the process of Romini. Okay. So the only noun is energy. So everything is just energy moving. So this vibration, and my teacher would say, we are composed in the same way that music is composed. Basically, we're music. And this vibration that is us can fall out of harmony or out of alignment. And this is when we have disease. So how do we put this vibration back into a harmonious alignment? Through rhythm. And so these are ancient sacred rhythms that these indigenous people use to bring our vibration back into harmony. So whether you're drumming, or you're dancing a repetitive movement to drumming, or you're chanting a repetitive chant, you are realigning your vibration to bring you into balance and harmony mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So is there a specific drumming, chanting, or dancing that goes along with it? Or is it something that whatever you're feeling at the moment to do? Well, there's certain ancient rhythms that are for specific uh, healing and we in honey in the river we go into the African tradition of what those are and honey in the river even has a soundtrack that you can get on Spotify or Amazon movie where I have footnoted a rhythm I'm talking about I have a sample of it uh, that you can get online and listen to so the, the African system is very sophisticated in these different archetypes and archetypal energies that they're working with uh, the Native Americans use marathon uh, dances where you dance to one rhythm for three or four days, no food, no water, fasting food and water to the same rhythm. And that is a very, very deep enforced meditation. You know, you're putting your all of your atoms back into alignment over days where you're in a, like a super trance meditation during that time. So let me see if I understand this correctly. It's a certain rhythm that you dance to for three to four days. No, no food, no drinks, nothing goes in on your system. Mm -hmm. So that's a full dedication. 
Absolutely. Because healing takes dedication. You have to do the work. The medicine man isn't doing the work. He's coaching you. You're, you're doing the work. Whenever we look at talk about America, since we are most of the listeners are in America and you've lived in America before. A lot of things are going on right now with business. We feel like even though with COVID, oh, I don't know if you guys heard, but there's a global pandemic going on, just FYI. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even with a global pandemic, a lot of, you know, stress, anxiety, suicidal, they, they everything on the spike because we're not, people are not going out. They're not getting the sun. They're not getting the oxygen or even the, you know, reconnecting with their loved ones. Can you do this at home one way or another to kind of recalibrate your energy or what can people do at home to get started because a lot of people are suffering from the inside with everything going on in the world and they're not speaking about it because it's like you know I'm tough I'm I'm a man or especially in man it's very like I'm a macho man I can talk about this well and I think women are really suffering especially if you know now they're working at home and their husband is working at home and their kids are being online schooled and they're in charge of everything in the household. I think women are really, really stressed. Yes, there are things you can do. And one of them is the shamanic drum journey. This is something we have in the West labeled core shamanism. And there actually isn't such a thing as shamanism in the indigenous world. You would just be the specific healer of that tradition, like a Babalao in the Yoruba, Yoruba tradition, the medicine man in the Pueblo tradition. But an author named Michael Harner, who was an anthropologist, and he was studying various cultures in the Amazon, in Scandinavia, in Africa, in Native America. And he recognized that they all did this same drum journey, okay. healing technique, and he codified it as, into a book that's called The Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner. And this is what we're calling core shamanism. And the center of that is the drum journey. So this is a trance, drum-induced trance, where you guide yourself through with active imagination, as described by Carl Jung, to contact your deepest intelligence, to look for answers, solutions, guidance in uh, your healing and moving your life forward. So on... Um, Number one, get the book, Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner, and that'll give you a good idea of how to do this. And then the, the rhythm that puts you into the theta state that allows you to take the journey is online. And you can put on a headset and find that rhythm on the internet and listen to it and do your healing drum journey at home. Now, let me ask you this, because excuse my ignorance, but I'm sure the audience is going to ask this question too. What is the difference between shamanism and Buddhism? Buddhism is a philosophy mm -hmm. and it involves meditation as the, the main part of the practice. I like it a lot and I have also studied that and they go together very well, but they're not mm -hmm. the same thing. But Buddhism is a very self-responsible philosophy so that you're basically responsible for your own um, well-being in Buddhism. They don't believe in God, actually, which I find quite interesting. They okay. believe that there is such a thing as spirit. Shamanism is uh, healing techniques and techniques for well-being that come from indigenous people uh, that are ancient, ancient techniques. And there's really no philosophy behind it, but there are, are guidance. There's guidance in uh, the belief system. It's not really a religion. It's a collection of healing techniques. 
Now, let me ask you about emotional healing, because I feel like a lot of times we shove down our feelings. We don't talk about them, but all of us, one way or another, have trauma in our past lives. So where do we start with emotional healing for us to kind of get rid of those black clouds that we have in our lives or we had had in our lives at one point or another? Uh, Where do we start by for uh, emotional healing for that? Well, again, we don't separate it from the other kinds of healing. But for me, in the Native American tradition, the sweat lodge was a huge, very practical thing. So I had been in... What was it? I'm going to explain it. Okay. So I had been in psychotherapy uh, for various reasons in my younger life. And I think it's a good thing. And I think that everybody should do it. And it helps you really identify why you're messed up, right? problem with psychotherapy is it doesn't give you any tools for fixing that but it's really good to know why you're messed up so then when I discovered this Native American healing technique the sweat lodge in English called the Inite in Lakota and the Temescal in the Mesoamerican traditions for me this was a revelation I call it prayer in a sauna kind of so together in a group you go somewhere in the country, uh, you make a fire to heat a bunch of rocks, and then you build a structure that's out of sticks, that's like a big igloo, and you cover it with blankets. And you crawl inside, sit in a circle around the center pit, there's a, uh, you dug a pit in the middle, the rocks come in, and the door is closed, the blanket goes down through the door, there's Medicine person is leading this adventure for you. And it gets really, really hot. It gets, it's really, really dark. It's claustrophobic. And every fear you have is going to come up. And that is the design of it. This is the intention of it. Because now you have to sit with that fear and allow yourself to embrace and feel that fear. Now, They put water on the rocks and suddenly the whole structure is full of steam. And the idea is that this structure that looks like an igloo is actually a womb of earth. And the hot rocks that go in are the male energy going into the womb. And this gives you an opportunity to be born again. Because in that heat, in that steam, in that darkness, you can blow apart your molecules, those little vibrating electrons that you're made up of, and reassemble them in a new way. So if you make an intention before you go into the lodge about how it is you want to reassemble yourself, you can do it. And then uh, when the lodge is finished and you crawl out again, usually you go into cold water after that. and you're new. That is very interesting. I've seen therapy that people would go in like Iceland and do the cold water, get in the ice, cold water immediately without smooth transferring. Why is that? And what, like, why do people do that too? Are you like, are you familiar with it? I always had that. I'm I'm familiar with it. And I I actually have a friend who does that. And um, I think, I think, I don't know a lot about the cold therapy. And I think that comes from Wim Hof. Isn't it a guy named Wim Hof, a German guy, came up with this. But I think it's the, almost the same thing, but in reverse. Instead of using heat, heat and darkness, cold. they're using the ice water. I see. Uh, 
but I think it's similar. You've done it, right? The ice water? The heating one. Uh, yes, probably a hundred times or more. Okay. Do you feel like you're a refresher version of yourself every time you do it? Like more, what internally you can describe it? At the beginning when I was first doing it, absolutely, completely new every time. Now that I've done it so many times, it's not as dramatic. Okay. But yes. I'm just very intrigued, you guys, to the audience. I'm just sitting here, like, staring at the screen. Uh, we're conducting <laughs> this by Zoom because this is very interesting. And we were talking a little bit offline earlier, too. But this is very interesting. Like, I'm really inter- interested to learn more about it because I feel like, number one, what social media, what TV, blah, 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 shows you, that's not the only ways. Those are just traffic-driven, data-driven information. So whatever they're showing you, they're putting you out there. They just want to trigger more mystery or more drama or more fear, I would say, compared to if you look at things from the opposite perspective is there's ways how we can heal. There's ways how we can reach our full potential. There's ways how we can find, discover a new version of ourselves, a better version of ourselves, like a 2.0 or 3.0 version of ourselves. And this interview is really interesting to me. And I know with Marsha, we've been trying to schedule this for quite forever. And it just one thing happens after another. But I'm loving this because I feel like this is not advertised as much as it should, I feel like also, which I understand, like you explain why it's not a lot more out there. So like if somebody is listening to this episode, it's like, oh my God, you you ladies are bananas. Like this is not okay. <laughs> What did you say to that person? Because I'm sure a listener is like, what is happening right now? What did you say to that person? I would say try it. You know, <laughs> uh, get it, you know, do some reading on this. There's my partner's book. There's my books. And there's Sandra Ingerman has some interesting books on the, the journey. I mean, read about it. And if it's in your path, if it's for you, mm-hmm. someday, very soon, someone's going to say, do you want to do a sweat lodge? I mean, it will come to you. You will attract it in law of attraction, right? So, so don't worry. If it's for you, it's going to come up. And this is just planting the seed, making you aware of it. And just keep your eyes and ears open. Do some reading. Start investigating. See if it works for you. I wanted to say another thing when, when you're talking about this, making yourself the, the 2.0 version of yourself. One of the guidance rules in shamanism is that you're never a victim right whatever happens to you you chose it whether you think you chose it or not in the world between worlds before you came here you agreed to this so you can never blame other people how you move your life forward is up to you right so you need to to be proactive and take action to heal yourself and let any blame you have for other people just go because it's only going to hold you back. Kind of to go with that, everything you do, it's based on you so you can reach the 2.0 version, right? You are in charge of changing the path of your life. Um, I kind of want to go back to this about four years ago before my uh, four years ago in my life. Whatever happened in my past, through my past trauma, through my divorce, through my issues coming in America, you know, being lonely, all that fun stuff. I feel like after reading the book, The Sacred, and learning a lot more about law of attraction, I feel like I have a gray, clouded memory of what was before. And I wonder if it's the same for you whenever you do this, you know, 
therapeutical healing sessions. Do you have like a great clouded memory of what was before? Or do you have a more clarity of why things happen the way they happen? Well, you, you always have clarity of why things happen because you're only vibration. You're composed as music is composed. And it's the, that vibration attracts like a vibration, right? So every time you do a sweat lodge and you reassemble yourself, now you've changed your vibration and mm -hmm. you're in the place to be able to attract something different. So you're trying to let go of the vibration that you had in the past that caused these disharmonious things to happen to you, right? You, you keep ratcheting up your vibration through the sweat lodges, through the dances, maybe through psychotherapy, maybe through meditation. And that's how you become more empowered and more healed and bring things into your life that you really want. I'm loving this. Like, I'm literally loving this, you guys. And you guys, what I'll do on the show notes, too. So look for the books, Honey in the River and Medicine Dance. It's going to be hyperlinked, you guys. So you definitely can just click it. It'll take you straight to the Amazon link. For my lazy listeners, it's one tap away, y'all. So just click there. This way you'd be able to read the books as well. The books are page turners, too. I mean, they're they're a memoir that... You know, you, you've been very involved in the story. So it's not some kind of dry reading. <laughs> Absolutely. So you guys, on the links, definitely look at the show notes. Now, another thing that I wanted to kind of touch base on before we do close the interview and jump to my favorite question, which we guys know what's the favorite last question. That's always my favorite one. But mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of go back into healing through intuition. How can you do that? Okay, so you need to become more and more in touch with your intuition, number one. So that's done through meditation, through sweat lodge, through all these techniques that they have. And then we haven't talked about honey in the river and the African techniques, but you know that's a whole related version of this because it also involves drumming, dancing, and singing. So as your intuition develops, you're going to notice the more coincidences in your life, more synchronicities. You're going to become somewhat psychic, maybe a lot psychic. You're going to be dreaming. And one of the tenets of this shamanic tradition is that there's more than one reality. This reality that we're in isn't the only one. Besides this, there's the, the reality of the trance when you're in the drunk trance. If you take the sacred plants, that's a different reality. But also dreaming is another reality. And of all these realities, there is no hierarchy. None is more important or more real than the others. And they can interact. So when you start dreaming, these really vivid dreams, and you feel that they're special and really vivid, be sure you write them down. They could be precognitive. You could be dreaming about something that's going to happen. Or it could relate to a healing process that's occurring in the dream that will affect your life. Or it could be relating to healing things in the past because there's actually also no time. Everything is happen happening simultaneously. So that's one way that intuition and healing interact. I've read this article recently where it was showing that often we heal through our dreams. So sometimes we, if we think a lot about something that we're trying to let go maybe that being uh, something professionally or personally, a career or a relationship. A lot of times 
we see that job or we see that opportunity or that person or that situation in our dreams and everything feels very vivid for the moment when you wake up you feel like you just experienced it and touched it and you were present right there in the moment so you're saying that also it's a part of a healing but whenever what did you say to the listeners for example if they wake up and they're all day they're stuck in that zone or they're stuck back into those feelings that they were having instead of moving forward because of the dream, healing through the dream. I hope my question really? makes sense at the same time, because I have it clear in my head in Old Bain and y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're stuck in feelings from the past mm-hmm. that you would rather not be stuck in, what's going on is that you have not fully experienced them. You have been judging them as bad feelings. And actually, there's no bad emotion. All emotion is just emotion. And it's just energy that flows through you. Uh, So depression is not bad. Anger is not bad. It's just an emotion. It's just energy flowing through you. So if you're going, I shouldn't be depressed. Why am I depressed in the middle of a pandemic for a year and a half? (laughs) I, it's, you know, I should, and you're pushing down the depression. You're trying not to feel it. The more you push it down, the more it's going to pop back up like a cork you're pushing down in water because you haven't fully experienced it. So what you want to do is you want to run that emotion. My teacher would say you would you want to invite that in and let it consume you. So you have to fully feel the anger, fully feel the depression and keep feeling it until it changes into something else. You are not these emotions, you are a hollow bone that these emotions flow through. So remember that you're just like the hollow bone, this anger, this depression is just flowing through you. It's going to flow through you and go away. So how do we experience these feelings without projecting onto someone else or your adorable little dog, your anger or, you know, to express it? Well, you need a safe arena to do it. And uh, that could be meditation. That could be a martial arts class. That could be a long, tiring hike in the woods, or it could be the sweat lodge. You have to consciously set up the arenas to allow the expression of the emotion without hurting other people. But I feel like we also need to allow ourselves the permission to express our emotions because sometimes we shut things down and that's And then whenever they're shut down and it just explodes, that's when we actually have to finally accept it. But I feel like we have to accept it before it gets to that point. Exactly. Exactly. And so when it comes up in in a dream or in reality, make time, make space to go punch a pillow or, you know, whatever you need to express it, to actually express it with your body. You know, dance is good. I love dance. And you know how in Grey's Anatomy and they always dance it out. Well, you really can dance it out. That really helps. Absolutely. I mean, I love dances for my loyal listeners. They see me on Instagram stories all the time that I will jam up some music, dance, and then they'll all start sending me videos of them dancing (laughs) because (laughs) it gets the energy high, gets you in a different vibration. It gets you in a whole nother mental state in a higher state that are just like, I'm in a good mood. Like even if something happens, be like, it's okay. We'll be done. Like you're in a hot, different status that this, like before, if it was like a small thing, that would be very inconvenient. Now you're like, mm, whatever. And it's really, really good for you. And that's part of the title. Medicine dance is 
a sort of play on that because both books are really about dance. Absolutely. And you guys, I mean, we've been talking about, I know we said we're going to focus on medicine dance and then jump on the other book, but uh, with the time limited, we focused a lot on medicine dance. We did touch base on the honey and the river as well, but look at the show notes again, you guys, I will hyperlink the books in there. This way you'd be able to automatically connect with Marsha and Marsha, what's your website? Where can people also connect with you? Okay. My website is MarshaScarbro.com. And you're going to put that in the. Absolutely. Yeah. On the show notes. On the show notes, yes. Yeah, and then you can uh, you can write to me at medicinedance at aol.com also. Perfect. Oh, the original AOL one. Yeah, <laughs> That's so how that's you know it's a, re- a real original one, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I, also, I'm uh, the Spain correspondent for International Living Magazine. And if you have questions about moving to Spain, uh, you can write to me at spain at internationalliving.com. Perfect. I'll attach the information on the show notes, you guys. Now, I'm sure you're not just, you know, cruising around Spain, just enjoying time. What, what's what's also burning on the back burner? Any new projects that you definitely would like to share with us? I've been writing a lot for the magazine, and they sent, like, they sent me to the Costa del Sol to write about life down there. I wrote a book for them called Escape to Spain. That's like a textbook on all the things you need to know, become an expat in Spain working on another book of Spanish of itineraries for scouting trips to Spain. And then in my personal writing life, there's projects, but they're not fully developed yet. So I'm not going to talk about them. <laughs> and uh, my favorite question, I have to say. Um, oh, let me say one more thing. Also, yeah. because I had 20 years in the movie business and I wrote a lot about screenwriting, at one point, for the magazine Written By, which is the magazine for professional screenwriters of the Writers Guild. I have an ebook uh, about Breaking Bad and the writing of Breaking Bad. So that's on Amazon also called Inside Breaking Bad, where I interview Vince Gilligan and all the writers on the staff on how they developed and continue to make the stories for Breaking Bad. Now, that's a Breaking Bad. That's a, a hit, you guys. You definitely have to read that book as well. I mean, you gave it a lot of resources uh, on the show notes to connect with Marsha. Definitely email Marsha to maybe have a Zoom meeting one-on-one. Wherever you are, we got a lot of technology <laughs> nowadays. That's what technology provides for us. Now, let me ask you this. What is your personal definition of success? My personal definition of success is... I want to have the most fun I can possibly have in the time I have left. So that's, that's what I'm working on. How much can I dance? How much can I travel? How many wonderful people can I enjoy before time's up? I love it. And you guys, I mean, age is just a number and Marsha is the perfect example for it. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's full <laughs> of energy. It just doesn't even matter. She wants to have fun. She wants to definitely enjoy life. Nothing holding her back. Marsha, mm-hmm. thank you so, so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. Encantada, as we say in Spain. <laughs> love it. Absolutely. And for you, my dear listeners, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcast just from. As a matter of fact, if that is Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how much you enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to look at the show notes to connect with Marsha. For me, your favorite podcaster, Romina, I will talk to you guys again next Tuesday. And I hope you guys have a fabulous and tremendous week till then. Bye. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.